Welcome to the metaverse. We'll talk meta. We'll talk Tesla. Everything's still awesome. Record highs in the markets. Bottom 95% of the world. How are you feeling? We just got back from the New Orleans Investment Conference. Nick and I will provide a recap of that. Lithium is surging. Gold is still boring. Crypto still looks good. Pfizer is coming to take your kids. A lot to get into. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode slash therapy session 141 of Bizarro World. Mr. Hodge, how in the hell are you, sir? I am uh, relishing the stock market at new all-time highs, as one told you would happen uh, several weeks ago, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, I'm doing great, Gerardo. How are you? I am excellent. Glad to be back home. I had a phenomenal time in New Orleans. Your presentation was one of the best ones I'd seen in a long time. We presented together afterwards, of course, and you were on a panel a busy week. Before we get into the markets and Tesla and the metaverse and uh, the number of things that there is to talk about, I would love for you to share your thoughts on the conference for those that are listening and maybe weren't able to make it. We were able to catch up with several people there and connect um, in person, obviously, and that was great. But also, you know, there, there, there were quite a few also that weren't there that I'm sure would love to get a feel for what the week was like. It was great to be back in New Orleans, having taken 2020 off because it was a virtual, of course, because of the uh, pandemic and was in question whether it was going to be in person this year or not. Uh, and it ended up being a hybrid event. And you and I, of course, both went and a lot of people chose to go uh, as well. I was uh, pleasantly surprised with mm. the amount of people, attendees in the exhibit hall and in the speaker hall. I thought that there was going to be uh, less than there actually were. I think the trend from 2019 continues as far as uh, younger attendees, uh, more female attendees, um, and people, um, I won't say less interested in gold, but more interested in other investments. Uh, of course, crypto was mentioned a lot, but of course, uh, you know, we talked about critical metals and, and, and energy metals in our presentation. Obviously, there's room and appetite uh, for that, given what's going on with the prices of those metals and the fundamental drivers behind them. And then, um, of course, it was a great atmosphere for the free expression of thought and the advocacy for sound, uh, hard money and common sense, frankly. So um, a lot of good speeches about why costs are rising, why inflation isn't transitory, um, how this inflation is uh, manifesting and a lot of lamenting uh, from the true gold bugs. Uh, you know, they're being outperformed at, at least this year. But um, I've taken to reminding people as often as I can that gold prices did hit a record all time high. And so anyway, uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. When is gold going to rise was the main question, I'd say. And uh, enjoy the gains and everything else is, is another takeaway. Right. Enjoy the gains and everything else is right. Um, kudos to, to Brian London and his staff. They did an excellent job navigating a very, very, very um, challenging environment with the recent hurricane and the storms and COVID and vaccine mandates. Um, I thought it was just incredibly well done. And, and the coordination was excellent. It didn't feel different than any other year, with the exception of the fact that some of the speakers and presenters obviously were there virtually. But 
Kudos to Brian and the team. Thanks for having us out there again. Look forward to it next year. Uh, let's get into the markets, Nick. Look, there's a lot of ways to make money if 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 gold is your only move. Um, sure, I kind of feel for you a bit, although there's been some winners in the space. But um, look, lithium prices, right? We're 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 in a situation where um, China's biggest lithium company just saw third quarter revenue rise 178 percent, right? Um, Ganfeng Lithium also. 507% rise in third quarter net profit. So obviously that's trickling down to the bottom line. You know, companies like Lithium Americas, which we highlighted at the New Orleans conference, that's up, I think, 20 or 25%. And that's after me trading in and out of it and booking a 75% gain earlier in the year. So there are a lot of different ways to make money. We have a Fed meeting next week that everybody is cautioning may have a negative um, effect on the gold price. I actually find that as very bullish. One, because I'm a contrarian, but not just for contrarian sake, because of the fact that I feel that's kind of baked in. Um, what, any thoughts on the Fed meeting next week? Does it matter, Nick? I mean, is it is it like not obvious what's going to happen and, and in the way that it's kind of going to play out regardless of what he says or 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 does possibly next week or the month after or the year after we're going to see i mean you know we really think he's backed into a corner and the stock market's not going to let them uh taper um the economy is 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 growing quite well if you look at you know the indicators of uh gdp household wealth uh etc i mean they might get a little bit of um, hesitation from the jobs report, but I'm not sure it matters. I mean, do you think they're going to taper next week? No. <laughs> right. right. I think the, yeah, so, I think they'll talk about it a little bit more and, you know, give team transitory, maybe something to cheer about for a day. Yeah. And so, but that's going to be, uh, <laughs> their, their cheerfulness is going to be uh, transitory, I think, because I think at least until, you know, Q122, uh, Q2 22, the, the growth is going to be such that, and we can talk about earnings growth in a second, that um, the direction is, is sort of set right now. I mean, that's, of course, when you uh, get something out of left field, but um, I don't know what that would be. As I see the market right now, it's stock market all-time highs, the continued uh, weakness in the dollar, and uh, rates continuing to go up, yields, while bonds get their ass handed to them. That's that that that's exactly right. I won't even get into the broader markets because I think you 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 said that well. Let's talk copper. Um, we mentioned lithium. Copper has to be mentioned as you know an energy metal, right? It's obviously critical. Um, any thoughts on the copper space and the copper price? And, and on lithium too. So I'm going to kick the horse for a long, long time because yep. it's been coming for a long, long time, and it's here. And so uh, all, all sorts of stuff. I told you that China was. Uh, running out of bullets, uh, even before that, a couple of weeks ago, had told you for years about the electrification of everything and the fact that there wasn't enough uh, copper supply, mines being developed to um, meet that supply and that there was going to be uh, consequences. You're seeing those consequences right now, right? Uh, uh, you know, Jeff Phillips, who you've been uh, interviewing a lot, I was talking to him the other day and he was saying, you know, 
Uh, we're in such a bizarre world that there's so many things out there that would typically be black swans that they're not even black swans or you don't even hear much about them. Like there was disorderly trading on the London Metals Exchange last week. Mm -hmm. They had to step in because they didn't know if they were going to run out of metal, right? And so um, it's all playing out. You were mentioning lithium prices. And so um, I think you get this uh, trend until the... Uh, you know how it goes, Gerardo. The price stays high enough to to incent the the new supply to come mm-hmm. online, and and the drivers aren't going away. So they're having the climate meeting this week, uh, which I mentioned in some editorials. Uh, Eighty eight trillion is the number of assets. You know they're trying to get committed to uh, decarbonization, and then I saw you put. Uh, the Tesla thing on there. And this is where I sort of laugh a little bit, right? Because, <laughs> you know, they announced a deal to sell 100,000 cars to Hertz, <laughs> electric cars. Uh, Hertz was almost bankrupt last year, if you remember. I remember. Anyway, let's put, put that aside. Um, Tesla's going to sell Hertz 100,000 cars. It's like a $4 billion deal. And the companies collectively added over $100 billion in market cap. And so when I think about that, um, I guess sort of two things. Uh, one, you, you might be a little jealous if you're not invested in a Tesla or maybe jealous isn't the right word. You might wonder how that's possible. Um, the death of Elon. Side, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's not trillion dollar market cap Elon, right? And so, but then at the same time, I think about, man, like how stupid it is that the their value goes up that much just on a press release. You know, I wait for these, the batteries to be built for these 100,000 cars, right? So, because I know that um, that's where I'm going to put my coin in my pocket, right? I, I've been talking to, like, my wife about it. I've been increasingly vocal about, you know, how natural resource owners are going to be the green barons of the, the 21st century. It's, I mean, it's like standard oil all over again. Every announcement I see, it's just sort of like dollar signs in my eyes, right? Like, uh, new batteries, new solar fields. This company commits to, you know, uh, getting rid of internal combustion engines. And it's like, okay, they're already out of metal on the London Metals Exchange. Let's fucking go. Cha-ching, cha-ching, <laughs> cha-ching, cha-ching. If there's not a cha-ching in your portfolio, and look, we don't get them all right. I certainly don't get them all right. Nobody does. But as far as themes and overall portfolio performance and personal portfolio performance, um, you could do a lot worse than me and Mr. Hodge have. I mean, Nick and I were joking about our champagne problems when we, I at the very least, like didn't realize just how many checks I had written for companies that were private and going public eventually. And I looked one day and I think there was like eight or nine of them. It's just stock certificates sitting in a box somewhere. And, you know, I started thinking and looking at the deals and I'm looking and I'm going, well, uranium, uranium, copper, 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 gold, gold. And then a smile came on my face and I was so happy. So, you know, there's, there's, there's so many ways to make money in the market right now. Overall indices, cryptos, um, the battery metals. Uh, I, I, again, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell anyone out there. Uranium, I don't know what to tell anyone out there that's not in the game. If they're able to be in the game. I completely understand if you have a situation where you just don't have you know, the extra $1,000, $10,000, $50,000, been there, right? Been there. I didn't grow up with much. But if if you're in a position where you're actually looking to diversify and you're looking for a hedge and you're looking to somehow protect your wealth and preserve your wealth and maybe even multiply your wealth, there's so many ways to do it. I hate to call it easy because the market has a way of making, you know, 
uh, fools out of people that make predictions. But it's not hard right now, is it, Nick? No. And you know, whenever you think it's easy, like you said. <laughs> That's why I said it. Yeah. It's when trouble looms. But here's the thing. It's uh, it's not easy, right? It's like, it's not easy to identify those trends and to have the uh, wherewithal to, you know, sit out the, the periods when uh, the metals haven't been ripping like they are and to buy uh, in bear markets and to buy as a contrarian uh, ahead of the herd. And so... Um, it is hard, right? And so it's it's hard for um, average investors, and certainly hard for institutional and institutionalized investors to see that, right? So uh, you know, and I've written that I've keep some money with a, a money manager. I had my meeting with them this week, and um, the only thing I wanted to talk about them was with was allocation, right? And so. Um, I knew what they were going to say, and they said exactly what I thought, but I was telling them <laughs> about how they've primarily been allocated to a fund who was mostly in tech stocks and how that was worked previously. And that's I know that's why they're doing it, right? Because they backtested, but that's not what was working now, right? Which is exactly what they told me. Like, um, well, this didn't work in the backtest, what you're proposing. And I said, yeah, but... Um, when I email you in April and I tell you that energy and real estate uh, are about to outperform and you, you, you keep me weighted in uh, tech, then we have a problem, right? Because I'm telling you what's going to go up and, yep. and, and you're not and you're not doing it. Um, and I knew what they were going to say to that. Um, what do you think you can do that every time, like every time uh, <laughs> a, a sector turns? And the answer is no, of course, but I also wouldn't own a fund uh, that was, you know, not performing at least uh, the S and P. You know, they use these uh, whatever Goldman Sachs or, or or First Trust funds that are actively managed, right? And it's um, not even performing the the S and P, right? So you could literally just own the S and P, is what I told them, and you'd be doing better than you than you are doing. And so it's weird for lots of reasons. It's weird because we're in unprecedented financial territory. No one's sort of seen this sort of monetary intervention before. I'm sure some of their guys, I don't know for sure, so I could be making this up, but um, you know, weren't around for the global financial crisis. GFC haven't seen markets trade uh, in cycles. And of course, it's all um, programmatic or algorithmic, right? There's no room for thinking, right? They plug mm. in like your age and they plug in your thing and it's like, okay, you're going in this uh, allocation, right? Even though it's a quote unquote aggressive allocation with no bonds, um, you still have to be able to allocate and rotate into the sectors that are outperforming. And is it hard was your question. Uh, it, that is quasi hard. It takes a little bit of dedication. And, and I've tried to explain this in, in foundational profits. And it's been sort of my uh, mission with uh, my monthly service ever since it was called like-minded people is to not actively trade your account, but um, to use that to make the positioning uh, decisions <laughs> that'll let you do better. Even if you know, you're know you not trading in an, act, in an active brokerage account, even if you just have a 401k or an IRA and you have mm -hmm. a uh, set of funds, you can use the information we provide to say, okay, I'm not going to be in whatever this consumer discretionary fund in this quarter, I'd rather be heavy, heavier weighted to energy because I see that inflating more. And in that sense, it becomes 
easier. And so that's sort of, I don't know really where I'm going with this. It becomes, I guess I do know where I'm going. It's easier for an individual to do it because you can do it yourself. Whereas uh, an institution, you're just a, a number to them, literally, and they're institutionalized. So they, you know, follow formulas and they don't think independently and they're uh, all that stuff. Right. And so if you really want alpha, if you really want uh, to outperform the market, even while it's setting records, then I, I, I think, and I've been convinced of this for a while, that the best way to do that is yourself. Go get your money back, Nick, one. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening, fund, sorry, it's, you're the ones fucking it up. And two, I think every newsletter, like regardless of what the newsletter is about, should be called like-minded people. That's a good name, right? It's a great fucking name. <laughs> hey, everybody, this will be a not safe for work podcast. I'm back to my usual self. I had to behave myself a little bit when I was in New Orleans, at least on the mic, because, you know, we want to make sure that we're professional. And by now that, you know, this is called Bizarro World, but I did try to keep the F-bombs to a minimal while I was there. I am back and uncensored now. So this is your warning. Um, look, One more thing before yeah, you yeah. uncensored, but just on the fun things, <laughs> like... You know, they don't understand what we, what I do, what we do. A lot of people don't, but they're starting to, right? Because yep. I've been with them for almost a year. And, you know, for the first 12 months, they didn't want to count my, <laughs> they didn't want to count my I, private placements in my financial plan. Right? I remember so the story. This year I go back and, you know, he's looking at that account again and he's like, wait, how much did you make? And he's like, what's your cost basis on that? And then I could just see it in his eyes. Like, oh, you do know what the fuck you're talking about, right? And it's uh -huh. like, like, I could do this for myself, right? So anyway, uh, and you can do it for yourself too, is I guess what I'm saying to the listener, yeah. Absolutely. And that was the point that I was trying to drive home. Yes, should you compare information and research from multiple sources? Absolutely. Should you just take Nick's word or my word for it? Absolutely not. You could do worse, but you should absolutely do some comparison shopping. But I remember, you know, when I got curious about resource stocks and started getting into the space, you know, 14 years ago, God, 14, 15 years ago, uh, you know, I remember a mentor of ours told me, listen, if I, if I were you, I would take $10,000 and just subscribe to 10 different newsletters annually, right? If, if, if you have that and just compare everybody's work and then see who's performing, see who's outperforming, see why, and then come up with your own model. And that's kind of what, you know, inspired, you know, the approach that I take now and then and, and the multiple disciplines, right? Whether it's trading or investing for cycles or, you know, the private placement approach now that we're in the sandbox. Um, it's, it's, it's a different approach for each of those disciplines, right? But it's very doable. I, I, I didn't go to a university to learn this. They don't teach you trading in school. They don't teach you, you know, That's natural it. resource stocks in school. You can have an MBA. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough to have people that work with us that do, but that won't teach you how to identify and front run a trend. And it really won't teach you how to be a contrarian and maximize the profit potential during that cycle. And so I would encourage- And that's what the MBA sitting across from me, that's mm. exactly it, right? Because it's like, he's like, how do you know this? Like, how do you, you're just investing based on what you see in the world? And I'm like, <laughs> how do you invest in the other way? Like, <laughs> so let's you just- Look at a spreadsheet and allocate. Like I told him about Mr. Dines. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say about Mr. Dines? I was like, I was like, you can't. I was like, don't think. Just look at look at what's happening, right? And um, 
I mean, you know, he doesn't think that's going to happen all the time. I think the conversation sort of trailed off after that because I was telling him about how, you know, what was I telling him? Why staples weren't a good place to be allocated because people weren't going to buy Honey Nut Cheerios if they could switch to the generic. And he was like, you can't invest on stuff like that. And I was like, I just got to build my net worth, son. I'm worth more than you, bitch. And like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, step your investing game up and get better returns on my money, uh, motherfucker. No doubt. That's what I would have said, but that's why that was, I didn't do that. Um, let's yeah. talk about what we're seeing, Nick. What we're seeing is, again, a continuation of stuff that we've been telling you about for years on end, but it is accelerating, right? The Hertz order for 100,000 electric vehicles that they're getting from Tesla, half of those will go to Uber. And you can kind of you know, see the writing on the wall. That's going to introduce Uber passengers to Teslas. And it's, it's, I actually see the sense and the logic behind it. I think you know, soon you'll have multiple fleets of just electric vehicles, whether it's Tesla, whether it's another company. It makes perfect sense. I mean, there's only so many moving parts on an electric vehicle, and you're going to far, far outperform in regards to safety in regards to performance and in regards to efficiencies as it relates to servicing these vehicles. So that's going to have a material impact, but not just on Tesla and not just on Hertz and not just for Uber, for copper companies, for battery metal companies. Um, Look at what's going on in Europe. General Motors and General Electric just announced that they're going to partner up and look at ways to develop a supply chain of rare earths and other minerals to make electric vehicles and renewable energy equipment. These are companies with billions on the balance sheet. This isn't a small $50 million company that's doing an LOI with a $10 million company issuing each other a bunch of shares and you know flipping it in a year. These are companies that are legacy companies coming in with treasure chests built to be disruptive. And they're, I think, frankly, tired of wait, waiting on, on, on the European region to get off its ass and do it. It's been a lot of talk. It's been some capital allocated. But the bottom line, as far as Europe goes, is it hasn't backed the conversation up with as much nimbleness and capital as I hoped for. And, it, you know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, companies like Leading Edge Materials, which has one of the few world-class rare earth deposits in Europe, if not the only, that can actually provide some of these materials for magnets and for electric vehicles and all. They also have a graphite uh, plant that's fully permitted and built and just signed a joint venture. It's not a coincidence that stock, after years of being in the portfolio, not doing a damn thing, is finally breaking out and is up 25 to 35% over the past week. I think it's early days. I think it goes a lot higher. Um, that's a freebie. That's a free name you can look at. Leading Edge Materials. Uh, great company, great management, great assets. Been a sleeper for years. I, I, I think it'll be worth the wait when it's all said and done here in the next year or two. But these are the things that as a speculator and as a contrarian or as an investor, these are the things that you should be paying attention to because these are not trends that will be fly-by-night trends that will disappear in a year or two. These are decade-long trends. You can make money like you call it, Nick, inflation profits. You can make money from inflation and the electrification of everything for decades on this thing. We've been doing it since 2016. Highs and lows, but uh, I tell you what, the last couple of years, high highs, <laughs> high highs. Well, really hitting the mainstream now, right? Uh, like you say, multi-hundred million dollar, billion dollar uh, deals in the in the resource space. So 
Uh, first, I was going to tell you that, um, you know, the Hertz rental thing isn't a new idea. You and I know a gentleman that has a Hertz rental racer. They used to do this uh, back in the 60s and 70s when, um, you know, to advertise fast race cars, Shelby Mustangs and things to kids, they would, um, Hertz would, would buy them so you could rent them and drive them just for a little bit. Right. And that was just as you're seeing now, right. To help, to help sell Shelby's. Cause once you rent it and bought it, you would want to, uh, own one. So this is, uh, just sort of that coming full circle, but uh, more than that, as you're seeing bigger resource deals announced, as well, you were talking about the earnings of like Gang Feng, for example, but you saw Sabanye this mm. week or last week come with like a billion dollar. And they announced this uh, earlier months ago that they were starting to pivot away from uh, gold and PGMs and, and add in battery metal stories. They bought a nickel asset a little bit ago, but in the past couple of weeks, they deployed like a billion dollars into Brazil to further go and uh, to that sort of avenue of the resource market. And so... Yeah, uh, Europe wasn't the only one who didn't put the dollars behind it. The entire world is is late to catch up to this, right? And uh, we know why, because setting goals is easy, but um, extracting the raw materials, refining them, turning in turning them into the compounds and composites and magnets needed to make these uh, batteries and transistors, etc., is is very difficult and. Um, that's where the money is is about to be made, has been made, and is going to continue to be made. Yeah, I know people still spending 2010, 2011 rare earth money. that ha- They haven't blown through all the money they made back then. And this trend, this one right now, is a whole lot more sustainable and real than it was back then. That was someone that was really brilliant in catching the wave very early and seeing, looking forward and saying, hey, if I position now... It's so new to the market that the market's going to go gangbusters. And sure enough, it did. You had companies that were, you know, 12, 15, 16 cents that went to highs of 20, 21, 22 dollars um, at, at their peak. And, and these are people that owned <laughs> tens of millions of those shares at 16, 20 and 25 cents. Right. And so, no, look, it's it's there's a lot of ways to make money right now. Um, and, and and hopefully people that are able to are are, are taking advantage of you know, what I described in New Orleans as almost, you know, criminal activity by the Fed in, in regards to how it treats the wealthy versus how it treats, how, how, how its policies treat everyone else, right? Um, if you're able and to- literal criminal activity and how the Fed governors profit from their inside information. These motherfuckers, yeah. And uh, yeah, anyhow, look, you know, the timing is great too. Look, I just, breaking news, Amazon reveals a 20% stake in an electric vehicle maker. Amazon doesn't take a 20% stake in something that's just going to fizzle the next year, right? Um, so again, just look, as Mr. Dyens would say, look, it's right there. It's in front of you. There's a lot of ways to make money off this trend, and uh, hopefully you're getting some of that. Let's talk um, Let's talk the metaverse. <laughs> this is one of the stupidest fucking corporate things I've seen in a long time, and corporations do a lot of stupid fucking things. Any thoughts on this? Like, does Mark just think that if you just call it meta like everybody will forget how toxic it is for kids and they'll forget about the testimony that the whistleblower gave with facts and timestamps and receipts by the way about how the company knew how toxic it was and didn't care um i mean i don't know again i am not the big corporate guy you you tell me nick you 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 do you do other sectors other than the resource space i thought it was the stupidest fucking name change i've ever heard it's nuanced um 
my take is nuanced. I, I don't really like the name. I totally see why they named it that and why they were desperate for a name change similar, <laughs> similar to Alphabet, similar to like Comcast positioning as Xfinity, for example. Um, they're trying to get away from that Facebook, Instagram stuff that's been going on uh, lately. Look, it, we try to be ahead of the herd. It's like nine years since I've been off the Facebook. Could see how toxic uh, it was for the culture and, and kids and, and self-esteem and, and misinformation, et cetera. Nonetheless, uh, Facebook's grown into an absolute uh, behemoth. And so um, Mark, as you referred to him, has been trying <laughs> to create an internet within the internet, right? A so-called metaverse, right? And uh, has done well at doing that, uh, trained a whole generation and perhaps beyond uh, how to think of themselves as avatars and in terms of digital profiles and uh, and even in terms of um, digital assets. You know, I've long written about Farmville since like before this podcast, since before this publishing company. I was writing about how uh, Farmville was training <laughs> people to you know, it's trade real, uh, well, what's real, but anyway, U.S. dollars, the actual greenbacks in their account for assets on the internet, which would now be called like assets on the metaverse, right? Um, I'm talking about buying cows 10 years ago on, on, on Facebook through Farmville, for example, but that's now uh, gone all the way to, to where we are now. And Facebook <laughs> is trying to own that. Facebook is trying to own that internet within the internet, except I think there's going to be um, a lot of backlash to it because the whole point, maybe not the whole point, but one of the prime tenets of the metaverse is decentralization, right? And so to have it, uh, the metaverse owned, uh, named by one corporate entity is sort of the antithesis of what the metaverse is intended to be, especially when that centralized entity's only goal is to monetize it, right, for their shareholders. And so I think there's going to be backlash to it in uh, that respect. And so uh, those are basically my thoughts on Facebook. Setting Facebook aside, I wanted to talk more about the metaverse in general because it's the perfect time to do so since they mm -hmm. just named themselves that. Um, sorry if I'm going to go for a second. but No, 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 no. This a, is great. I asked you. <laughs> you sent me a video of your son uh, the other day who does critiques and uh, overviews and 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 plays uh, video games and does those reviews on YouTube and gets significant, significant engagement in real time. And so um, I was amazed to see, you know, over a hundred thousand views the, the day and he posted it and the live stream of comments that were associated with that. Mm -hmm. And so these online environments and communities are increasingly being created, of course, MySpace, Facebook, et cetera. But now, and you and I have talked about uh, Minecraft, for example, mm -hmm. and how um, you can spend money there and how they monetize their user base, but also how a couple of things. Um, musicians are starting to hold concerts in the metaverse. Like people are having, artists are having concerts like in Minecraft, for example, and you pay for a ticket because they can sell 10 million tickets instead of 10,000 or 15,000 in a single uh, venue. And so the scale becomes so much greater because it's uh, global and it's all digitized, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then, sorry, I got to keep going because I'm trying to tie it all together for investment and, and lifestyle purposes is you have an online 
uh, persona, either in the game you're playing, uh, live action role play, uh, whatever it is. Um, and so that avatar that you have owns things in that game, buys things. You and I have talked about this going all the way back to like crypto jockeys and crypto horses, for example. Um, <laughs> and now it's being you know developed and monetized to many more uh, millions and billions of people. So um, I'll try to try to tie it together fast is the systems to organize this. And if there's real money going into it, which there obviously is, um, is sort of like on the blockchain, right? If you're going to have an avatar and it's going to uh, buy a house in uh, what was your son's game called? I wrote it down. Let me see. If you're going to buy a house in a Honkai Star Rail, right? Like you're going to want a digital record of that. And how are you going to pay for that? Maybe the game has its own cryptocurrency and blockchain where that's all tracked. Maybe they use the Ethereum blockchain. I don't know. I'm not that smart. I'm still learning about all this. But that is what's happening and not just in uh, video games, right? MasterCard announced a, a big program in the past couple of weeks uh, to make a four-way foray into cryptocurrency. And we, of course, have been talking about decentralized finance. So um, all that to say ecosystems are being built and not just by Facebook, right? Um, you know, this game that your son was playing is going to be played by tens of millions of people and, and they're not going to be doing that on uh, Facebook, right? And so... Um, Anyway, uh, there's going to be leaders and there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers, just like there is at the onset in the development of uh, any industry. You and I have been through some of that already in the first iteration of the crypto wave in, in 2016, 2017-ish. Uh, and now it's, it's sort of <laughs> coming back again. So um, even as far as like OnlyFans and stuff like that, and I'll talk about Playboy for just one second, like... OnlyFans has been a huge thing, right? People spending more time online. Everybody wants a side hustle. This is part of the metaverse. And so um, the companies that can create the sticky ecosystems where, uh, again, Playboy, you can uh, buy an NFT from them. You can have your avatar that's, uh, <laughs> uh, what did I say they were called? Play, play, avatar. Play, Playboy creating a sticky ecosystem is great, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no pages to stick together anymore, Gerardo. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut in. Couldn't help myself. No, that's it. I was almost <laughs> done. But And so um, companies like Playboy and others, like even Dolce & Gabbana had like an NFT auction, for example, uh, when you bought a high-end clothing or, or purse or whatever, you had a digital record of it. And so I don't think that's going away. And uh, I'm keen to learn more and more about it. And it's developing right now. And there's plenty of ways to make money on it. So whether it's video games, whether it's Playboy, or whether it's MasterCard. That's sort of all over the place, right? Um, anyway, it's a real thing, and I feel old. Like, the New York Times had an article yesterday saying about how why 37-year-olds in the workplace were afraid of their 23-year-old counterparts. That was literally the headline. <laughs> it, was, it was a little too close to home because I'm 37 years old. <laughs> So this is what we've learned thus far, everybody. You can't just invest or speculate your hard-earned capital through an algorithm. And I'm going to give you an example of why that doesn't work, right? Are you familiar with Pussy Riot, Nick? Uh, not real familiar, but I, I know what it is, the group, yeah. Absolutely. So they're a Russian feminist protest punk rock and performance art group, right? And I love these little ladies. These women are incredible. They 
they they they they did time for their beliefs. They stood up to Putin and and were willing to go to jail for it. Um, long story short, I follow them on Twitter, right? And so when this whole metaverse thing broke, Pussy Riot decided that they were going to go ahead and 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 uh, change their handle to at Pussy Riot and then put a wet wet sign and then Pussyverse, right? So I tweeted. <laughs> Meta should have been called or named the Pussyverse, right? Instead of the Metaverse. So now the algorithm tells me I might like at Smiley Facefuck. <laughs> and I, 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 I might like at Handjob Sex Videos or, and this was interesting, I might like at Weed Porns. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the cookies on- are tracking you. The cookies are tracking me indeed. <laughs> and speaking of tracking and chips and uh, all of that, Pfizer's coming to take your kids, Nick. Hide the babies. Oh, you got to tell me about it. I don't think I know about this. Well, they're not really coming to take your kids, but, you know, the FDA just authorized Pfizer's COVID vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11 with shots, you know, rolling out as early as next week. So I'm sure we'll get a week of outrage by everybody on the left and the right and the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers and yeah but that's that's that that just broke here a couple of hours ago so that is official now um any thoughts on that that actually will tie into to the next thing that i want to talk about a bit because it also deals with kids but any 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 thoughts on the pfizer vaccine and you know, five to 11 years old. I mean, the science says that the kids should be all right. Right. But then as a parent, do you want to be that parent where, you know, either they have an adverse reaction to the vaccine and they were going to be healthy or they would have been protected and now they're in the hospital and something happens and you feel horrible as a parent. Right. I I mean, there's, I guess there's not really a right answer in my head other than look at the science and do what's comfortable for you, depending on, you know, the material that's available to you. Right. Yeah. We haven't come down on it yet. Uh, Our oldest kid is a five and a half. There hasn't been talk of it in the school yet. Uh, I haven't given it too much thought, but uh, I'm like you. I look at the the science at the at the time and, and and make the decision that we feel is best for us and our family. I, I, the only other things I would say is the science is really interesting. You know, mm-hmm. you know who's turning out. You know who's turning out to be like the most uh, whatever protected is people that have caught COVID and gotten one dose of a vaccine. <laughs> Of course, because that's the way the universe works, right? That's, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So I, was re- I was actually reading that yesterday. Just very interesting to me. And then um, last thing on COVID is uh, cases are falling off very, very fast. They've fallen in half since September. And if it was a stock chart, it would be a, a short. And, you know, I'm obviously not a virologist or a doctor and I don't know what variant is going to come next and where that chart's going to go. But a Delta is certainly waning and that's allowing uh, more opening up, which is further good for the economy and uh, growth. So, yeah, I don't know about the kids yet, Toronto, when we have to cross that bridge, I'll let you know. But um, I will say this, actually, um, we had to take our son to the the emergency room the other night because he got a, a vaccine, not the COVID vaccine. He was just going to the doctor, the pediatrician for his two and a half year checkup and they were giving him routine uh, shots. And uh, so he had a, a reaction to that, right? Like his leg swelled up and was turning red. Oh, and man. Warm and, yeah. So um, we called the, it's actually good. We have good insurance. We provide our employees and ourselves. Uh, we should 
pound our chest. I've been meaning to do that. Yep. Um, our employees don't pay for their insurance. We pay 100% of the premiums. It's a good nationwide plan. So anyway, my wife called like they have a 24-hour nurse you can call. And the nurse was like, yeah, you should probably get them to the hospital to be on the safe side. So anyway, it was all fine. Um, he had just had a, got a little infection from the shot, had a bad reaction to it. They gave him some antibiotics and monitored him for an hour. And uh, we were home, got back home, swelling went down, and, and it was all good, right? And, and am I am I am I an anti-vaxxer dad? No, <laughs> no. like am I going to give my kid his next round of shots? Like, yeah, probably. And so um, that's life, right? You sort of deal with things as they uh, happen, and you make the best decisions. Like you were saying that you uh, can with the information you have, and then uh, when shit pops up or when life happens, you, you sort of deal with that, right? But that's no reason to be uh, a bigot or to um, never change your mind again. Imagine that listening to a doctor to help cure an illness. <laughs> Crazy, right? Crazy. But but Joe Rogan, right? And then everyone ignores the fact that the treatment that Joe Rogan has, because he can afford the best health care as well, was given to him and prescribed by a human doctor. Right. Sure. And it was human medicine. <laughs> but anyhow, hey, y'all do what you want. Um, be safe out there and be kind about it. And that's it, right? Um Wisconsin, the Senate, keeping the, the theme to kids, right? The Senate of the U.S. state of Wisconsin has now approved a bill that allows 14-year-old kids to work as late as 11 p.m. <clears throat> what do you think about that, Nick? I, 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 I am of, 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 of split mind on this one. As someone that has worked from a very young age, when I lived in Chicago, I lived in not the nicest of neighborhoods. And I remember at nine, no, I was eight years old. I was eight years old. At eight years old, I was downtown. I was uptown actually. And a lady came up to me and said, hey, I'll give you $2 an hour to pass these flyers out for the next five hours. And me and my little friend couldn't have been more thrilled because we were saving to buy a Walkman from a local pawn shop up the street, right? And so that was until 11 p.m., but I was out there three, four days that week. As soon as school got out, I'd meet this lady. She'd give me all these flyers. I don't even know what the hell I was handing out. I may have been handing out flyers for an abortion clinic. I couldn't tell you, to be honest with you. But at the end of that week, you know, we were pretty close to being able to go buy that Walkman. And that was one of the most satisfying things as a kid. And it, it, it taught sure. me about work ethic and, and, and just, you know, being able to participate in an opportunity, even if by society's judgment and standards, maybe that lady exploited us. I got to enjoy my Walkman all summer. Fuck that, right? So mm -hmm. with this bill, I'm aware that 14-year-olds tend to need, need eight to 10 hours of sleep and they should be in school as well. So if you're getting home at 12 and you're 14 and your family needs the money and you need the money, and you're contributing, that part of it is great. I don't know that as late as 11 p.m. makes me as comfortable as, you know, being allowed to work to help your family get ahead in a society where it's becoming increasingly difficult to find upward mobility, right? That's kind of where we're at um, in large part because of central bank policies. And so, ah, I'm, I'm, kind of, uh, I'm kind of back and forth on this one. Thoughts on, on your end of it? I'm not sure. Um, 
my parents made me get a job when I turned 14. They said, you're old enough to work. You got to do something, right? Just for the structure and the, the work ethic of it, right? And mm-hmm. so um, I did. My first job was uh, working for the local department of Parks and Rec. You know, when hmm. you're 14, you can they'll, they'll hire you to like teach the seven-year-olds like little soccer clinics and stuff or whatever. So um, I did that. And um I also like chaperone dances, like Parks and Rec would put on uh, dances for um, like elementary and middle school age kids. Like the parents would obviously come, but they would have they would have the Parks and Rec staff, me, a 14 year old kid, just, you know, standing <laughs> there to make sure the you know, the little elementary school kids didn't start throwing bows or, you know dancing too close or whatever it was and <laughs> some of those i don't think those dances went to 11 p.m but they probably you know went to 8 or 9 p.m and so i, I guess i took a, a different view towards it i wasn't thinking of um exploitation and and kids having to work on uh weeknights though obviously that's what <clears throat> this would ultimately be used for right this is for the uh the kid who's got to work in the mcdonald's drive through line till it closes down at 11 or whatever it is and so um, yeah, where do I fall on it? Um, I'm not sure. I guess um, if the kid's willing to do that and that's what they got to do to make ends meet, it's really unfortunate that he's got to be in that situation. But at least now he's got the ability to do so is maybe what I would say. I I, I agree. I agree. And again, they're not forcing the kid to work, right? right. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're providing that option. And so, yeah, talking it out and talking it through here a little bit, I, I, I can see that. I guess the one thing that I would say is that it's a damn shame that, right. no, you know, it's not we, an optimal situation, right? Well, and, and, and it's also a way to circumvent increasing wages, right, for the workers at the lower end of the pay scale, because that's a part of why we have a labor shortage. And, you know, I don't want to touch on that too much because we talked about it uh, two weeks ago. But, you know, in, in, in a perfect world, that 14 year old kid has the opportunity to work until 11, but would also be compens- compensated so well that there would be competition for that job um, because benefits and, and pay would be would be fair at the very least. And I think, you know, I, I, I think this is a way for the state of Wisconsin to tap into a labor pool that allows for businesses to, you know, not do like we do and pay 100% of medical premiums. And, you know, it's, it's a damn good plan as well. And, you know, I, 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 I think, I think that part of it, I lament a little bit, but yeah, I found it interesting. Hopefully that 14 year old can negotiate his or her ass off and take advantage of the labor shortage to give himself a, a, a salary that's competitive. That it's it. Or an hourly rate, at least. That is it. Absolutely. I mentioned Leading Edge Materials as a company that I like because of, you know, the graphite asset, the rare earth asset, um, and some assets in Romania that if they ever are are worked through the court system, which is slow as molasses out there, are pretty attractive uranium and cobalt assets. But I think that company is an attractive speculation. I mentioned Patriot Battery Metals a couple of weeks ago, and all that's happened since then is it's gone down. <laughs> and they haven't announced the financing that I suspect they're going to announce. So I'm waiting for that. I still think at current levels, and it's pulled back quite a bit in the past three, four weeks, um, it's given up most of its gains. I think it's a hell of a speculation right now. Um, drilling for copper and lithium uh, up north, assays expected in the next couple of weeks, and then news flow, I think, all the way throughout. And, you know, they press release that they're going to have a pretty aggressive marketing campaign to go and coincide with that. So I don't think, you know, in, in, in my mind of minds, I wouldn't suspect 
that they're going to get aggressive on the marketing side because they believe that they need to go promote dusters, right? I think I think they may be onto something out there. So that would be another name. Anything on your end of, of it that you're watching? We've seen a little bit of a pullback in the uranium space. I continue to believe that's an opportunity. It hasn't been much, but it, you know, it's definitely um, pulled back a little bit the last few days. No, this is a pullback to buy. I queued mm-hmm. up some some Denison today. Yeah, no, you could peck away there. You could peck away at the rare earth names. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking about Neo Materials. Uh, yep. This week, uh, Neo Performance Materials. You could. The chart looks the same as MP. I mean, you know, that's how I sort of think about these things. Um, I think the the, the small caps I've been uh, writing about. We bought a fund in foundational profits, and I've been going into individual small cap names. I mentioned Playboy uh, already on this call. Uh, I'm not going to give them all to you, but yep. uh, w- one I'm looking to re-enter is like Eastside Distilling, for example. I sold mm. it a couple of months ago and it, it skid down hard. And uh, not only is the small caps coming back into favor, but it's, it's starting to execute and it's got um, what should be some good sales in, in Q4 ahead of it. So Oh, you know, when I sold it, it's it's sort of the same thing, um, you know, being able to change your position and, 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 and change your mind, right? It was um, the right call to sell it. It went down afterward. We made money and now it's the right time to buy it again. So uh, anyway, it's trying to continue to reiterate that you don't have to be glued to uh, positions and that there's, um, what did we talk about a couple of weeks ago? Lots of ways to skin a cat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, Mr. Hodge. That's all I have. We'll talk Prince Andrew next week because I want to see if he actually responds to this criminal complaint. We record this on Friday, as you all know. He has until the end of day today to respond to a criminal complaint that he sexually assaulted an underage girl. Um, We'll see where that goes. Again, other than the girlfriend and Mr. Epstein, I haven't seen any of Mr. Epstein's buddies um, get arrested or indicted yet for the nasty shit that some men and women obviously do. So curious to see that. Um, should be a fun week. Mr. Mr. Leon Black was back in the news this week too. So we'll follow up on both of them. Mm, I like it. I like it. Should be a fun week. We have a Fed meeting. We have a new month where Mercury's out of retrograde. We've been out of that for a week and a half or so. Things are feeling great. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 141 of Bizarro World. Be careful with that sticky ecosystem, everybody. Happy birthday, Gerardo. Thank you, sir.